New York. Hey, hey, you guys. Welcome to another edition of the 914 Sports Podcast. My name is Frankie Fremonti, and joining me as always are my co-hosts, Tony Voza. Yo. Joe Diegas. Howdy. And Tony Cohen. Hello. And this is our pre-draft episode where we're going to talk mostly baseball, but we're going to get into the draft a little bit. We got a little bit of soccer. Not that I want to talk about soccer this week, but usually we start with the smaller stuff and then drift into baseball because baseball takes a lot of time. This week we said, fuck it. We're getting right to it. Tony Cohen. Baseball. Uh, baseball is fantastic right now. And New York baseball yeah. especially sounds a little bit better this week than it did last week. Is that fair? Yeah, but like by the smallest of margins. Listen, little improvements. It's still April. Also, last week of my busy season for anybody else that's a fucking accountant. So I'm pumped for that. You just but, jinx yourself. You're going to get put on like a, got, another private account. And you're like, oh, okay. He's got less work coming. Mm. Uh, my May sucks anyway, but officially busy season ends this week. What's but, that? You need billable hours? We got you. Don't worry. Busy season is all summer. None of us have any free time this summer with all the damn weddings we have to go to. That's I will I will not complain about that, though, since the last time I thought I was going to have a lot of weddings and communions and shit, a global pandemic hit the earth. <laughs> so I'm okay with it. I'll go to a wedding every weekend. Joke's on you, dork, because the global pandemic is still technically going on. That's all right. We're just all going to ignore it. But nevertheless, which actually, I'm going to talk about that real quick. Have you guys noticed that at every stadium, when they pan to the crowd, nobody's in a mask? They yeah, keep no, trying they're, to, it's they're so ruining it. Stupid. They're ruining it for the people that actually want to go. Because, like, I really want to go, but I'm not going to go because I know I'm going to get stuck next to some dickhead that doesn't want to wear a mask because he's, oh, well, I'm drinking my beer. Oh, your beer that's been empty for four innings, you piece of shit. And I'm going to get into a fist fight and I'm going to get arrested at Yankee Stadium, which is now up to 33% capacity. Yankee Stadium. Bro, you feel the people at Billy's? Are are social <laughs> yeah. distancing and wearing their masks is zero chance. Billy's is at one hundred and twenty percent capacity like, <laughs> yeah. right now. Billy's is trying to make up all the money they lost last year. The Yankees yeah. are in Baltimore, and Billy's is at one hundred and twenty percent capacity. <laughs> oh my god! But um, yeah, you guys want to keep talking about the Yankees for a little bit? They did pretty good this week. Boza thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so they split with Atlanta last week, um, which was. I guess, okay, they probably should have won. They could have lost both. They could have won both. So, in the end, I'll, I'll take the split. But, I mean, Ronald Acuna wasn't even playing the whole yeah, series. Yeah. So that's, like, not great. Um, and then they took three out of four to from Cleveland, which Cleveland's offense isn't that great. Again, uh, I think in th- the three wins, they they went down in every game, and they came back, which was nice. Um, still, I, I just – this the pitching is, is fine. Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber was a fucking fantastic game on on Saturday. Uh, watching the two of them just throw absolute gems. Um, the pitching is doing fine for the Yankees. The hitting continues to be a problem. Glaber Torres still doesn't have a home run this year. Um, Clint Frazier's in a slump. I think they said if you took out the first like two games or first series for Gary Sanchez, he's like seven of forty-five with zero home runs. 
They said, uh, I saw this stat earlier today, that Clint Frazier's slugging percentage over his last 13 games is the lowest by a Yankee outfielder ever over a 13-game span. So, like, yes. yay. Brett Gardner is, like, one for his last 21. He's the Mayhew is – I mean, he's still hitting, I think, like, what, 270, Frankie? He's hitting, but, like, 270, but he – like, it seems like out. every time he's up – He's never getting up with runners in scoring position, which is like his thing. And every time he does get up uh, with like a guy on first, it seems like he either strikes out to end the inning or he grounds into a double play, which is nothing like last year. Like normally he's moving the guy over at least, or he's he's hitting the ball and making it first and third. So I do feel bad because like Boone is trying to tinker with his lineup. And, like, I think Stan at the two has kind of, like, woken him up a little bit. Um, Stan's been playing well. Judge is still playing really well, hitting-wise. Um, Stan's hitting the ball, like, yeah. at a remo- like, even his outs are, like, 115 miles an hour. Off well, that was that. the thing in Cleveland. A lot of the, like, Yankee outs were fucking stinger balls, like, right at people, which is, like, always a good thing. Like, yeah, obviously it sucks when they're still getting out, but, like, it's at least it's nice good to be contact. Yeah, they're good um, outs. But again, tonight they're playing Matt Harvey. They the only run is a fucking Aaron Judge rope double. Everything everything else has been like completely shut down. Um, Matt Harvey is back. Yeah, well, he Harvey. is freaking oh, back. He's in, your, uh, he's in your Mets. You got to put him in your former Mets check in. Yeah, no, he's here. He's on my former Mets check in. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the bullpen is. Going to get burned out the way Boone's using it. Nick, uh, I don't want to see Nick Nelson anymore. Uh, I'm done with him. Um, Michael but, King needs to stop getting optioned. It, it's like just leave him up here and send Nick. Nick, I think he, Nick Nelson got sent down to the alternate site, so that's nice. Nick Nelson, uh, get rid of Nick Nelson. Uh, Lutke's starting to get on my nerves. I, I was very happy for the guy coming back after not being in the league since like 2015. And doing pretty well at the start, but now he's starting to get on my nerves too. Um, and why the fuck is Debbie Garcia getting pulled after 65 pitches? I don't get it. I don't understand this. He's fucking 21. His arm should be a fucking – should have a billion pitches in it. I got to say, though, this year, even more than last year, I feel like they're babying every single pitcher. I can't it's every. It. It's not even just the pitcher. It's even like we were talking about it earlier, like even the batters. Like we don't need all these days off. I mean, there's been no consistency. It's not like they, they've been playing 50, 60 games right now, though. Like you need constant. Well, they, they had all of last year off pretty much. Yeah. 60 yeah. games last year. You can't say there's wear and tear on these guys at all. Yeah, I can't stand it. It's crazy. I mean, so I don't know. The Yankees, it's it's going to be a slow crime for the Yankees. I think the Yankees need to make it to their players coming back with Voight because Voight will definitely um, inject some energy in. I think Zach Britton will strengthen the bullpen even more. And then, it, God forbid, they get to a place where at least Luis Severino can get back and the Yankees are still in a good position and I don't have to see fucking – uh, Domingo Herman pitch ever again. That'd be nice. <laughs> Ion keeps getting better and better. I will say that he's, um, I think they said after his last start on either Friday or Thursday, whenever he pitched, um, there's no more limit on him. Like it was his last limit, limited start. Like, so he should be good now to go until like he's tired or whatever the hundred pitch mark that most pitchers get pulled at now. By the way, we have to uh, apologize to Gleyber Torres about his defense because uh, I found a stat. 
uh, at Yankee Source on Twitter. For all the heat Glaber Torres gets on defense, his UZR is 1.7, which is second in the AL. His DRS is two, second in the AL. And his RNGR is 1.9, first in the AL. So he's looked a lot more comfortable after a few early errors. I still think he needs work on playing on making plays out of the zone that he is good in. Okay, so my only problem with that, Frankie, is it's clearly impacting his bat. Um, so here's what it is. You know who you don't hear about bad defense? And I, we, I said it before, Fernando Tatis. Like, I didn't realize he has the most errors in the league at shortstop. But the dudes hit seven home runs, so nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Well, so here's what I think it is now with Glaber is that he's – yes, he's – comfortable at shortstop but he's not making plays at shortstop and i think he's trying to get it out of his head because he's below average when he's out of his range mm-hmm. it's one of those like sabermetrics like statistical like sample size things that isn't a real barometer but like you could tell when he has to go out of his comfort zone and try to make like a huge backhanded play he'd rather pull up and let Gio try to get it, or he'd rather pull up and let DJ or Odor try to get something up the middle and try to get there himself. I think if we start seeing him where he's making, like he, he's making web gem type plays on at, at shortstop, that's when you can worry about, okay, now he's comfortable there. He's completely comfortable there. Now it's not going to impact the bat. Now it's what's wrong with the bat. It, it, the bat is a separate thing. Um, but I think that at least we have for a base shortstop, we have a very good shortstop. It's just getting the out of his own head when it comes to playing out of his comfort zone and getting the bat back together. Yeah, that's fair. I do think it's crazy though, because we did shit on him for not being good at on defense. Uh, I think I, you and I were just in bad moods in general with the Yankees. Yeah. I mean I still am, but that's not the point. <laughs> like Three out of four, but it's the Indians. Like, we know the Indians suck. Like, besides Jose Ramirez and Eddie Rosario, who the uh, Ahmed Rosario is not a fucking outfielder. superstar. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is not a center fielder, and he's also not a fucking difference maker in the lineup. He's yeah. also not a shortstop. So, <laughs> well, they made the, the, they showed in that game where he never played outfield in the Mets, but he started like what, 10 games, I think, in center field already at that point? Well, that, that entire team is, like, out of position. They have, like, a first baseman yeah. playing the outfield. They have a shortstop that's not a shortstop playing the outfield. They have infielders playing positions that they're not supposed to play. They have DHs that should be fucking playing positions and play position players that should be DHs. Like, they're a fucking nightmare defensively and offensively right now. I hate the fuck are we, Why are we warming up Chad Green? Joe, just turn the game off. I, like, I watch the Knicks because at this point, like that game is like why? Like because this is what Boone does. He punts on. He punts yesterday when it was a when they clearly could have won that game, and then today he's like, no, 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 I got to keep it, keep it close, got to keep it close. And now he's going to use Green, and then when he ha- needs Green for high leverage tomorrow, he's going to say, oh, well, he pitched yesterday, pitched yesterday. and then Sorry. fucking like. Justin Wilson, who couldn't get out of his own way the other day, is going to come in and fucking shit the bed. 
I think the thing with the Yankees too, I mean, even looking at the the numbers with their hitters, I mean, basically half their roster is hitting under 200. We all know good and well, that's not going to be the consistent story for this year. So that's the one thing that I try to keep positive about this is that this is only looking at it a very small sample size. You're hoping it's going to turn around. I think what makes it discouraging is there hasn't been, I know we talked about last week, but there hasn't been that one guy who we look at and been like, okay, like, although no one else is hitting, like we know game in and game out, this person has been performing. I think there's been glimpses of hope when you even saw with the when you see with Stan and when you see with judge, but no one has really been taking that and, and running with it over these last couple games that we needed to. Yeah. We're lucky that in the, the last two series, we went four and two last weekend, but if we chalk up this loss, I mean, this is where we should be able to make up games when you have the Orioles and the Tigers. Like these are series that we should be taking three of four, two of three and, and building out the momentum and winning series to just inch our way back up in the standings. Yeah. And that, and that's it with like the, the Stanton thing. I think if Stanton's hitting, like instead of hitting 115 mile an hour singles, he's hitting uh, 115 mile an hour, 450 feet home runs. Like that's our glimmer of hope, but seeing him hit the ball that hard and then it just being a single or just being a line drive out or just being a hard ground ball. That's where it's like, what, what, okay. What happened to launch angle? These guys are all analytic guys and now nobody has fucking launch angle. That that's the one problem because I do think Stanton's hitting the ball tremendously right now. It just there's a lot of nothing to show for it. Yep. All right, got your Yankees. Uh, Yankees talk out. I'll yell about something. Don't worry. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about current Mets first, and then I'm going to talk about my former Mets and check in with all of them. As far as current Mets. Jacob DeGrom's the greatest pitcher of all time. I'm just going to say that every freaking week. The, the dude's ERA right now is .31, and my favorite stat going right now is he has more runs batted in this season than earned runs allowed. I saved that one, too, just in case if you didn't right, cover that. If you missed that, I was going to be so yeah. mad. Yeah, I, no, <laughs> I was not missing that. The dude is 2-1 with a .31 ERA and 50 strikeouts in 29 innings. He's, I don't understand how this man – is pitching this well right now. And he's actually 2-1, and one, which is even more surprising because the Mets usually don't And the score. Mets still don't want to score for him. Oh, no, they, they, they never the, will. He had the, he got the scoring started the other day uh, for them. Yep. Every uh, just, time. just really quick. Um, so Mike Trout missed a couple of games. Uh, that Mike Trout guy has been back for three innings now and already has three hits. Meanwhile, the Yankees tonight have three hits. in total. That's because Matt Harvey is a stud. Shut up. The Dark Knight has risen in New York. I think I think DeGrom is what, like 7 for 12 this year? Like, I'll tell you right Oh, now. yeah. It's like something absurd. Oh. Like, I wish there was a Yankee that got 7. Six, of, six for 11. That's amazing. That's insane. He actually batted, I think, 8th the other day. And he has two RBIs. Yeah, he that eighth, he has two, two RBIs, and he's only given up one run. He should have had three. He had a double on whatever day it was, and someone didn't score. I do hate yeah. when pitchers bat eighth, but like that's at least a justified make him bat eighth. Like he's a better hitter than fucking Luis Guillerme. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you mean you? Frank, you don't yeah, no. that like that. I listened. I had to get it in somehow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
the Mets are actually in first place right now, given, I mean, they have played a lot less games than the rest of the National League East. But I like how they've been playing. The pitching's been unbelievable. Like Marcus Stroman's ERA is under three. Tayon Walker's been absolutely amazing. Like if he could pitch that well all season and they have that three-headed monster and if Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard come back even remotely healthy, this is the rotation the Mets were supposed to have like five years ago when it was like Wheeler and Matz and Harvey and all these other guys that decided to pitch better when they left. But um, Stroman didn't have that strong of a game against the Nationals. He fucked up. Yeah, he didn't pitch that well the other day. But his ERA is still four. I think he only gave up like four earned, but yeah, he's still at like two. Yeah, he's still still pitching well overall, so I'm going to just let that one slide. So question, Um, though, with Walker, like how how long do you think that can last, though? Like are you optimistic that it's like a full season, or are you worried that he's going to give you like a solid like 50, 75% of the season and you'll take that? I mean, I will definitely take that. Just Assuming with Syndergaard coming back, so yeah. if he can, like, hold up for Syndergaard. Yeah, honestly, if he holds up for Carrasco, I think I'd be pretty happy. Um, just may. Yeah, so I think at that rate. I mean, the thing that's crazy about Walker is, and I didn't really buy too much into it, but they gave some ridiculous stats when the Mets signed him. His second half last year was, like, absurd, apparently. Like, yeah. he had all these, like, advanced metrics, too, that were like, oh, maybe he's, like, the real deal now, blah, blah, blah. And I know he had a lot of hype when he came up initially with, I think, Seattle. It was Seattle, but yeah. the injury hurt him, that's why. Yeah, and he was also playing for the Mariners, and that's where Wasn't, his dreams yeah, go to die. Didn't he come up with Seattle and then, like... Got traded to Arizona? The, I was going to say, I and then so, he had, yeah. like, a resurgent... I feel like every year he gets on a new team, he has, like, half a season worth of, like, just unbelievable, like, oh, shit, this guy's, like, the real deal, and then he shits the bed. But, like... Yeah. Like you said, like you have Carrasco coming back and you have Syndergaard coming back. You might not need him to pitch a full season, but yeah, it's a guy that like maybe you move him to the bullpen and he fucking starts to shine, or maybe you figure out what to do with him, or you send him to the alternate site in case God forbid somebody gets hurt. Yeah, no, I'm I'm comfortable with with him right now, and I think uh, listen, even if he could be a back of the rotation guy, if you have him I'm and Lucchesi, if you think about it, having a right and a left hander, like. That's like good. good that's good options to have, like especially as you need a spot starter. If you have a, you're gonna have a lot of double headers, so being oh, able to like slot them in there. Yeah. No. So they've been they've been playing very well. The Mets pitching wise, even the bullpen's been good. Like Miguel Castro is like somehow one of our best relievers right now, which is absolutely terrifying. But it'll work. Loop is still poop. Loop is still poop. That's fine. I mean, I'm tired. There's some guys that when they come out, it still makes me sad. Um, J.D. Davis still can't feel the ball. Um, every single time that ball gets hit to him, I just want to cry. But it pisses me off because he's also batting like 420 and has like three home runs already, and he's played like a week and a half. So, it, so it's, it's, just, it's the Tatis analogy then. Like, fuck his defense if he's performing offensively. Yeah, listen, if he's going to hit like this, I'm good with it. Like, I'll just keep fighting <laughs> it. The problem is I don't know if J.D. Davis could do this all year, so eventually I'm just going to be like, get the fuck out of here. But I'll give Rojas some credit. He has pulled him, and he's pulled out uh, – Dom Smith, like almost every game. Like Almora comes in at center and he made a crazy play the other day. Um, and Guillaume, Guillaume, fucking can't pronounce his name. Uh, Louis G plays uh, third base every time. So at least, like, at the end of the game, I'm not going to have to sit there and deal with a bad defender. Hey, uh, the Yankees have given stop, up. Stop, stop, stop. Given up two home runs to Cedric Mullins, uh, who has coming into today eight home runs in his career. Guess who has Cedric Mullins? Fucking Martin. Fucking bullshit. Corbin Burns Uh, is getting his ass kicked right now by the Marlins. I'm loving it. It's because he walked the guy, so he's done for the year. 
And Alex Colomb just got beat for an extra inning. So uh, my good luck continues, Joe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's all I've got really on the Mets. Um, I think they are trending to be the best team in the league. So I'm going to take it. Okay. Who do they uh, have? Let, <laughs> let's talk about how good of a team they would be if they had all these other guys on them. Well, so I'm going to preface that though by saying that thank God the Mets pitching has been good because if not, this list would infuriate me even more. Uh, my good friend, Stephen Matz, fellow Long Island native like Joe Diegas here, um, has a 2.31 ERA, which is like top five in the American League at this point. And leads and he's, the league. Whatever. Hey, yeah, he's 4 and up. So, uh, I fucking hate this man. I really do. You said it, too. I did. I mean, him and the next guy, Manary, like, it's just absolutely unbelievable how it's like just known that when certain players leave the Mets, you just know they're going to be good. This is one of them. Um, hopefully, though, eventually he'll just have to, like, He's going to have to implode because if he's like this good by the All-Star break, I'm going to lose my shit. Um, You're kidding me, Eldor. My good friend Chris Flexen on the Seattle Mariners, 2.74 ERA, 2-1. He just got straight up cut by the Mets a couple years ago. Uh, We've already spoken about Matt Harvey, who actually – he's been a serviceable back of the rotation guy for the Orioles so far. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I told you already what happened. Uh, still, I know it's coming, and it still pisses me off. You poor bastards. Odor strikes out with bases loaded. What do you think was going to happen when you had fucking Odor on the team? He's uh, double play at least. Hitter. Yeah, no, sad. but he's also been terrible since they moved him up in the lineup. Like, keep him- Well, this is the fucking – well, not to go back to the Yankees. Like, every time you have the guy who's batting seventh or eighth, then Boone is like, let's put him in the three hole. Let's put him in the four hole. It Just, doesn't fucking work like that. Just leave him where he was. Leave him where he was because he's co- obviously comfortable hitting there because there's no pressure on him to drive guys in. We think it does with somebody's fucking morale. You move him in the two hole, then the eighth, then the five, then the three. Like, the fuck? Like, you need consistency. Aaron Boone sucks, guys. I, no, I wasn't know. even a Yankee fan, and I'm going to just say what Steven said last week. Joe Girardi should have never been fired. No, but uh, everybody Joe, agreed with that. He's, uh, Joe Girardi had his had his problems. He did, but that team went to the he ALCS. Lost. How do you get he rid lost. of you? He lost the team when he didn't listen to Gary in that Cleveland game. The team was not happy with him. He didn't know, trust them. Like, he didn't trust his players. But it's, that's – that's true, but it why I'd rather that guy who's gonna get you to the ALCS than have a player coach like Aaron Boone who's just gonna keep fucking around with things and then have your team. Okay, but this is my other thing. But here, this is what Tony's saying. It's not Boone who does this. This is the the front office who likes to mix and match, and Boone is just the figurehead. Yeah, yeah Boone's just either. the guy. Boone's just the guy that writes it down. Yeah, like. The, but all, but also. I think Girardi's the kind of guy that would say, no, go fuck yourself. Like, you would tell the front office. That's why he got go fired. Fuck himself. But okay. still, that you sometimes you need somebody. I don't need somebody that's going and looking at a computer to tell me who's hitting and who's not hitting. You can see that with your fucking eyes. Like, sometimes you need to you go by the eye test. You need old school that can go by the eye test. Go back to former Mets, Tony. All right, former Mets. Uh, the last few, Wilson Ramos has come back down to earth. Uh, he's batting like 210 now, but he still has six on one, so I guess that's something. Justin Wilson, fellow Yankee. Um, his ERA is under two right now. Is that correct? Yeah. He's, had, he's, he's only had like one bad appearance. 
Yeah, I honestly don't know still why the Mets didn't keep him, but anyway, he's another one pitching well. Uh, this is the uh, Mets gave up absolutely dog shit for Lindor moment where Ahmed Rosario is batting to a 155. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And Andres Jimenez, who I actually like, is batting 205. So that's what we've given up so far for Lindor, who's also batting like 210. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's it. I think those are all my former Mets. To be honest, yes. it sounds like go, 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 go. Go, shut up. It sounds like Cleveland like got off good with that because like they don't have to pay him three hundred and fifty million dollars to hit two ten. That's true. They're basically just paying like the cheaper version of. I mean, did, how many scored? How much did they got league, league minimum? Fucking judge. Couple of league minimums what in there, baby. Doing? Yeah, they're definitely got it. There's be. two outs. Why? Oh no, judge can't score on that. No, but he was going to. Th- Actually, did he get around it? Oh, he got thrown out at third. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not at home. He shouldn't have even gone. I, yeah, but he may. Let's see this angle. Bro, you're six foot seven. How do you not like just get in there? Oh, well, Boone's getting out there. Show some fucking oh, energy, right? Showing like, a goddamn replay. And that man is safe. It looks like he got around it, but I had to see the other angle. That man is safe. By the way, we were talking shit about uh, Todd Frazier. Uh, Todd Frazier, Jesus Christ. Clint Frazier's uh, how he can't fucking hit, but brother could walk. I think he has eight walks in his last six uh, six games. Did you guys see that Todd Frazier actually uh, got called up, I think, by the Pirates? Yeah. I didn't know he was still on the like, playing. He, what's it called? He got selected to the team because – isn't Cabrian Hayes still hurt? And I think somebody else got hurt. Hayes is still hurt. Why is Boone getting so mad and not just challenging this? I don't know uh, if they're saying that he can't challenge, though. This is why the fucking challenge rule in baseball is stupid. Why can't he challenge it? That's what it looks like that he's arguing because he was trying to check it. And then when he went out to challenge, they pro- they're saying he probably couldn't challenge it. That's why he got tossed. Why can't you challenge something? Is it Was it F, like, did they throw a pitch? There's no way that that was the the end, end of the yeah. inning. So that's what oh I'm saying. My like, God. I th- I thought the next pitch had to be thrown for them to like call it. You so fucking stupid. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the not New York teams now? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about one bullshit thing that I, I don't know what everyone else's take on this. Go for um, it. Madison Bumgarner in the that double header with the seven innings. Like, well, what's everyone's take on that? Yeah. It's a no hitter. Like, it's, how do you not call that a no hitter? It's it's a no hitter. Does MLB count that as a game? Yeah, but they, they, know they, no they need to count it as a no hitter. You know what the kicker is, too? They count it as a complete game. But <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. So you yeah. get the complete game. It's a complete game shutout, but it's not a no hitter. <laughs> what they need to do, and, and again, I'm st- this I'm stealing from Twitter. Also, by the way, I don't remember who tweeted it. I apologize to the person that doesn't live or listen to our podcasts for stealing your time. <laughs> but Major League Baseball should do this really cool thing where they look at, like, championships that shouldn't count or no-hitters that sh- shouldn't count, according to them, and put a little, like, a symbol, maybe an asterisk or, like, an exclamation point and put that next to his no-hitter just and 
you put the asterisk and say, hey, if this no-hitter has an asterisk next to it, it's a seven-inning no-hitter. I think it shouldn't be called a perfect game because a perfect game is 27 up, 27 down. Like if somebody threw – I think if you threw a seven-inning perfect game, it should count as a no-hitter. Hey, I have a solution to this. Get rid of this stupid seven-inning doubleheader bullshit. Or that. Yeah. This is in fucking Little League. They could play nine innings and still play a doubleheader. Do you count – do we differ a season from – like who won the World Series last year? Right? The Dodgers? Does anybody say they didn't win the World Series last year because it was a 60-game season? Um, when they were playing whatever 154 games or whatever how many games they used to play, like yeah. records are still the same. No. Yeah. By the way, the Dodgers, gonna... the Dodgers played 60 regular season games. This is fucking. And ridiculous. a lot of them were seven inning doubleheader games. So like, they didn't even play a full 60 games worth of games if they had any doubleheaders. So what the fuck are we, like? You can't have it both ways. And this is what baseball does. This they should be celebrating. Oh look, Madison Bumgarner did something cool, and instead Wait, they they're took, just making people get mad at them because they're like, "Oh, it doesn't count." They took the run off the board. Yeah, they, they didn't call DJ's run is what I saw the replay, but you can you obviously he crossed kidding? home before Judge got tagged. Like this is, this and of course uh, DJ gets pulled off first. And now man, I'm fucking is why, first. This is why baseball. Fuck this shit. This is why baseball gets laughed at. Yep. This is why they can't bring in any fans either, but. But one thing I will say with the pitching, I mean, we've had some pretty good, like, pitching performances very early on in the season. If you think about, like, some of these, like, some of these games, yeah. even a couple of, like, perfect perfect games and no-hitters, too. Like, there, there's been a lot very early on. Granted, I don't think it's going to continue, but it's been a, a highlight reel of also, like, offensive juggernauts. We've had some highlight reels of way games have been ending. So, I mean, overall, M- MLB, like, some of the games and like some performances the, have been good when you think about it on an individual perspective. The on-field product is doing is fine. It's the the marketing of the on-field product. Yeah, and the umpires. I, and yeah. well, uh, yeah, I mean that. Yes, yeah. fucking bullshit. The uh, yeah, because what have we had? We had Joe Musgrove through the first San Diego no hitter ever. San Diego native Joe Musgrove. Yep. We had Rodone. Went into the. I think he had eight and a third when he when he hit the batter. He hit yeah. the guy on the toe, which, again, we're going back to hit batters. Didn't really look like he made the effort to get out of the way, but also it was like he kind of got nutmegged, and it caught him in the back foot. Like that's something where you kind of focusing on the pitch, you don't realize it's going to hit you in the foot until it hits you in the foot. So you can't really get mad at that. But Rodon then threw a no hitter anyway, and now Bumgarner. Wasn't there another one that also lost because of a hit by pitch? Because I think the stat was that like there have only been like six that lost it with a hit by pitch, and two happened in a matter of like six days. Was did maybe Musgrove? I think Musgrove might have hit somebody, but early in the game. I think that was his only only batter. I think he, I think he faced the minimum twenty seven too, because I think he hit a batter yeah. and then got a grumble double up. play. I'm pretty sure that was Musgrove, but it wasn't that late. Like, Rodone happened in the ninth. Musgrove happened yeah. in, like, the second. Uh, that, that's that been pretty cool to see. And, like, and just, like, the strikeouts, like, DeGrom and, and guys like DeGrom and Bieber and, and uh, Burns and Garrett Cole, like, setting team records and stuff with the amount of strikeouts through their first couple of games – Burns, I think, has the most uh, 
the most strikeouts without walking somebody through his first five starts. We're going to talk about strikeouts. Do we mention that about Degrom with fifty? I don't think we, I don't think you mentioned that, Cohen. Did you? Yeah, I did, but it's okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, he's been insane, and he threw three straight starts where he had four, 14. 14, 14, and 15. Like, that's insane. Which this I think is also why MLB's like, going to move the mound back. But He's also, like, one of the only players to ever do that, to have a three-game stretch like that. Yeah. Um, Garrett Cole has 50 strikeouts through his first five starts. That's the most ever by a Yankee through his what first Trump, five starts of the season. What Tony just said about them moving the mound back, they have to. I think the, the April stats this year – I think batting average around the league is 239. I think OPS is like 669, and it's the most strikeouts ever. It's just every year it just gets worse and worse for fucking hitting. The only thing that makes me nervous about moving the mound back a little bit is it's going to continue to encourage guys to not make contact. Like the whole problem is that they keep just trying to hit home runs, and I feel like if you move the mound back – you're just saying, like, oh, the way the game was played was right. You guys can just keep trying to hit home runs now and make it easier. Get rid of the fucking shift. That I'm okay with. I don't like the shift. But if, if, they, if they move back the mound, it's what? On a fastball, it's losing at least, like, a little over a mile per hour? Or is it close to two? I think it's close to two. But, you which I don't know how much of a – I don't think it's even going to be as big of a difference. There's not – there's not as <laughs> You big put of me in front of a 98 and a 96, it's still fast as fuck. So I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's what I'm saying. I don't really know how much of a difference that's really going to make. I, I just think the game – like it's going to take a while for the game to just – But aren't they testing that change. in the minors? I know they yeah. want to do the minors for testing Literally. out everything. Yeah, they test Which all It's actually the smartest do, thing yeah. baseball does. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, right. but they bring up the stupidest shit that, that we don't need up here also. Well, yeah. yeah, no, I said that was the smartest thing they do. It doesn't yeah. mean that they're smart. Testing it there is a good idea. And then they drop, like, the ideas that would actually, like, probably help the game. So, I don't know. I, I'm Because for some reason, robot umpires, we need to still test that. You know what's the craziest thing? It's, it's been on Tony, ESPN you... for 15 years now. Tony, you've been playing MLB The Show, right? Of course I have. You, have you been playing Road to the Show at all? No. The umpires are as bad in the game as they are. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, they're giving you realism here. It's fucking hysterical. The only problem that I honestly have with umpires, though, aside from, like, I hate when they blow, like, obvious, like, safe out calls and, like, swing. Like, that drives me more nuts than when the umpire has, like, a specific strike zone. But because, like, all of the games now when they have them on TV show – where the ball is in the strike zone, they just make them look like idiots. Because here's my thing. When I used to pitch, which granted was a long fucking time ago, if an umpire called the ball low, throw the ball low, and we don't have any problems. The hitters need to adjust. Everyone adjusts. The problem is when they're inconsistent, which has been the bigger problem this year, I think. It's like they'll call the same outside corner, you know, a strike and then a ball, like two pitches between each other. And that's the part that's really – I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. Maybe they need more time to react too. That's why I got moved mom back. No, it would be more time for fucking Angel Hernandez to claim that he's being discriminated against when in fact he's just the worst umpire ever. Thank you for that judge for putting that in fucking legal documentation. Yep. Um, speaking of uh, other fun baseball people, uh, the Rockies GM quit. <laughs> Couldn't read us Trevor Story first. Dude, how pissed are you if you're a Rockies fan where 
this man has just demolished your team, traded your superstar player. He's Nolan actively, he's actively then, ruined their team for like however long he's been there. Yeah. And then They're, he just goes, all right, bye. Yeah, he's like, I'm not even going to finish the rebuild. He doesn't I'm even just going to say, fuck off. They don't even get the satisfaction of him getting fired. He's just like, all right, I fucked this up enough. I'm out of here. The man alienated two of their the Rockies' biggest stars in Tulowitzki and Arenado. And probably Trevor Story fucking hates being there too. Like, you know, he's gone after this year. Yeah. Um, regardless if he gets traded or not. The only one that don't give a shit is what's his name? It Charlie is Blackman. Charlie Blackman, because he made his money and was like, fuck it, I don't care. I because I think Charlie Blackman I love Charlie Blackman. Like I used to I drafted him like every year, but like I don't know how good he would be like outside of Colorado. No, he's not he's not Arenado or Story. He's he's Charlie Blackman. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those guys that's definitely a Colorado guy. This Atlanta Chicago Cubs game is like really good. Yeah, I just turned that one on. Yeah, also blew it and uh, bad night in New York. The Rockies All Star Game logo is also pretty cool. They have that going for them. If you guys saw, oh, I it. forgot to have the All Star Game now. Yep. Oh, Isn't that amazing? The irony. <laughs> Wait, if Trevor Story gets traded, who's their representative? Mm, on their pitchers, probably. Oh, well, probably Marquez. Guy. Oh, yeah. MLB is going to be like, no, you you can't you can't trade. Uh, is it McMahon or Hampson? Who else is playing? Maybe well, that's I mean. why the guy got he had to quit because he was like, I'm about to trade Story, and Manfred was like, No, you're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh man, no. yeah, that's some good news. And then the Dodgers and Padres are a lot of fun. Can we just get that on TV? Like. At least once a week. They need to play each other 40 times a year, and it needs to be on Sunday Night Baseball every week. I'm mad there hasn't been a fight yet. I know. It's kind of surprising. It's only like a little, like, Twitter fight, if anything. So, no. All right. So, let me put it out there. The next time Bauer pitches against them, he's beating Tatis, right? No. If he's not, no. No. Then he's he's, if he does, I, no, I will lose all respect for him if he does, because you can't talk all this shit about how – Bat flips are good for the game, and I like this guy doing that. And then turn around and throw at him. No, no, That's no, not throwing him for the not throwing him for the bat flips and stuff. For the for the looking in at the pitch. He's I don't fr- think he's no. Gonna get hit. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to get hit either. Especially because he called it out though. Like he's well, all about you can't, you can't call them him out on it on Twitter and throw a little hissy fit like Bauer did about it, and then. Not I, don't doing. Think, I don't think he threw a hissy fit. I think he was just trying to bust balls, and I, I think he thought it would be fun. And then, of course, Tatis coming back with Tranquilo Hijo fucking Tranquilo, uh, made me laugh hysterically with the fucking the cutout, the bad Photoshop of him. And his photo, life. like, oh, God. Oh, it was so good. Fucking Tatis rules. I think Bauer rules for actually calling him out and being like, yo, what the fuck? You were looking? I'll tell you what's coming. Which would be great, it, like how Grinky was fucking calling pitches last year. I want Bauer to tell Tatis what's coming the next time he pitches against him. But if he throws at him, he's a fucking that. That's a bitch move. I like think, if you um, want to be this guy that's talking about making the game better with bat flips and celebrating, no, you strike him out. You tell him what pitch is coming. You strike him out, and then you celebrate, and that's how you get back at a guy. My my new favorite thing is Martin just bitching every time Tati hits a home run and Martin's not getting enough points. At him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so mad. It's great. 
but I, I think throwing at Tatis is just like is not it, it, it's Tatis winning then if you throw at him. That's yeah. a bitch move. You can't throw at him for like fucking all Dodgers doing... pitchers. Like I, I think with them, like it's not even just like a Bauer thing. I think like all Dodgers pitchers, anyone throws at Tatis, that's just like it, it's not worth it. That's not the route you have to go. If you're gonna beat him, you got to beat him by like getting him out, like striking him out, putting him into grounders, like. Hey, if he hits it off you, he hits it off you. Granted, he was rocking all of them. He had Kershaw with two. He had two off of Bauer. He had one off of Dustin May. So he he had a very good series. And he's clearly not like if it'd be another thing also if he was jaw jacking where he was like talking shit about how like they he was he was celebrating like he wasn't talking shit about them. He was busting balls because they were busting balls in spring training. Like, it's not – he wasn't coming at them like bad blood. He was coming at them like, hey, Chuka played this game. Let's have fun. Did you guys um, see the when Kershaw was sent up to bat in uh, extras, the defensive alignment that the Padres ran out there? I think they put, no. like, what, five or six infielders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucked up. Kind of stupid because I feel like Kershaw is one of those pitchers that can hit, like – I, he definitely – I don't think he's hit in a while, but he definitely – there was a couple of years – wasn't it right when uh, – I, I think it was like Grinchy him. Left? I think he's a good hitter. Uh, Bumgarner yeah, was Bumgarner. Zambrano. Remember when Carlos Zambrano would hit? <laughs> Jake Arrieta used to rake too. Um, he still takes any practice. Mike Hampton used to rake. Mike And Hampton. Grinky used to hit home runs like – it was like, oh, Grinky's starting. Look out for the home run. He had Jacob like three home runs in a row. No, the Degrom is a, is a single doubles guy. Bartolo Colon though hitting home run. That's honestly one of the greatest things that's ever happened to the sport of baseball. They should have marketed the living fuck out of that. That's run. that's arguably a top five Mets moment. You mean like all time? You know, like how the NBA has top shots, right? Give me yeah. give me that for the Bartolo Colon home run and see how much. That- <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Yeah, Tony. Uh, what? So, what are what are top Mets moments? It's like, all right, '86 World Series. I was gonna uh, say we go in before I was alive. '86 World Series, Piazza home run, uh, Cologne home run, '69 World Series. Nah, you <laughs> I got think Cologne's home runs more important than the '69 World Series. Wait, no, what's funny is a lot of Met fans I know, Tony. You're definitely gonna be one of these. They're one of their top Met moments is the Andy Chavez. Catch. Yeah, that's exactly like, what I was about to say. And I'm always like, but you lost in the most heartbreaking fashion in that yeah. game. But that catch, dude, I have literally an Andy Chavez signed photo of that play. That's it's how like, much I fucked with that guy. <laughs> it's like Yankee fans who like, and it's mine too, but like like the Aaron Boone home run to win the 03 ALCS, we lost the World Series. That moment would have been 100 times better if we went and won the World Series. Well, that's true, but – you got to take these little moments, especially as a map. The other thing, though, is that like that 03, the Boone home run, yeah, it would be 100 times better, and then it would maybe crack the top 50 Yankee moments <laughs> as opposed oh, to yeah. like – We have a ton of like good moments, like 09, like the A-Rod home run off the camera is one of my favorite moments ever. Yeah, there's so many. Um, Like even losing, what's it called? Losing in 01. Mr. November, the fucking Jeter home run. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And then, like, two days later, it was like, oh, we lost. <laughs> the fucking DD home run in the in the Twins. That, that oh, car, that's a fucking top wild card. Just the we state were there for it. 
the way the stadium sounded was just fucking fantastic. And that's not even touching on shit before we were born. Can you imagine being in the stadium for like Reggie Jackson's third home run? Shit like that. Come on. My cousin was in the st- uh, in the stands for Cone's perfect game. Like that. That's insane. Like the. Could Wells- you imagine? Okay. My, my, Could my you imagine? Went to the David Wells game. Could you imagine being in a suit for fucking Don Larson's perfect game in the fucking World <laughs> Series? Come on. What was that 1956? It's 56, I believe. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's Tom, like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, we're reminiscing about World Series. My bad. Fuck oh, you guys. Sean Lee retired for the Cowboys? Yeah. Oh, I should have brought that up. Oh, Sean Lee rules. Sean Lee retired, but I can't wait I like to coach. I always drafted him in the defensive leagues, and like then he would like play great like 10 tackles in the first two games and then get injured. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. My fault. He's stuck. That's why. Yes. Um, that's all the baseball I have. For you guys, does anybody uh, else have any other baseball that you would like? To yeah, have? I got one more so we could yell about it. Odor hit ninth on 424 and went one for three with a walk and a home run. Then the Yankees assumed he'd be the perfect number four hitter and he promptly went 0 for three on Sunday and 0 for four today. Okay, but Frankie, he's a lefty. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. How stupid. I hate it. Get Frankie, get, get me off baseball before I like. Lose yeah, let's go, Frank. Change, change it up. New sports. Is there, is there any? Oh, one last thing about Dodgers Padres is uh, Tatis hit five home runs in three games. Uh, two home runs, two home runs, one home run. Uh, one of the two home run games, I forget if it was the the first game or the second first game, one. was on what was it? The twenty second anniversary of his dad hitting two grand slams in the same yeah. inning off of the same pitcher. So that was kind of cool that that was. You know, he hit two home runs in, in we 22 say, years later. God oh, bless geez. that coach who left that pitcher in 22 years ago to load the bases, give up a grand slam, then to load the bases again? That's somebody I forgot who was saying, but they were like, at that point, like, they need to be pissed off at you for letting up that first grand slam or, like, your bullpen is dead. Yeah. Like they, you don't have a bullpen at that point, but also it was 22 years ago, so they were like, "Fuck it, this guy could still go." <laughs> e e d dead. It was what's his name? It was, oh, by the way, same ballpark too, because it was at Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, nothing really else going on in baseball. Just games are happening. So yay. Yep. All right. So with that. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Joseph for a little bit of soccer talk, even though I don't want to talk about soccer because go fuck yourself. Joe, why don't you tell us about the champions and Europa and whatever the fuck else uh, and how there's no Super League because, of course, not. It's so funny how, like, when we recorded it and then by time our recording came out, Super League was already done. It was <laughs> before the episode dropped, they were like, by the way, no, no Super League. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Well, the thing with the Super League is that I think there's still technically three teams that have not pulled out, which were Real, uh, Barcelona, and Juventus. Yes, because the Juve president and UEFA president are still fighting. Um, and the UEFA president still says the Super League teams will be punished. I don't. Yeah, know. which I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know why he's now – he got what he wants. He should really stop. Like, Yeah. Like – because this, this the teams are going to point to this and be like, this is why we're trying to fucking do a Super League because bullshit like this. 
Yeah, so th- that's the thing. I, I don't know what they're going to do. And the way that they're saying it is that the teams that pulled out first, which were all of the Premier League teams, they're going to have a, a lesser uh, punishment. But to, to that, though, then we got the information about the new Champions League format, which I like it as a fan, but I know for the players it's going to be very brutal. So the biggest difference on this, though, is that it's expanding from 32 to 36 teams. So what will make people on our podcast very happy is that if this was happening for this past Champions League, Arsenal and Spurs would have made it. So Arsenal and Tottenham, so Tony Cohen, your team, would have been in the Champions League. Look so, at that. Can I can I ask a question? Me, meaning last season, correct? Not yeah, yeah, last. Well, like, I was gonna say because they're both way below West Ham. No, they wouldn't. No, no, no. Like, like like this current Champions League because Arsenal and Tottenham were in Europa. They would have been playing in these current games going on. Gotcha. Because exactly. yeah, that confused me when I saw that. So what's going to happen now is is group stage is going to be replaced by a league, but you only play ten of the teams once. Is is what they're doing. Then what happens is of those 36 teams, you, you're going to have 16 teams that move on. The top eight qualify for the last 16, but then teams that finish 19th through 24th, they play a two-legged playoff tie to progress. So after that, you'll have 12 teams that automatically get eliminated, so they'll probably go to Europa. Um, but basically, you can have like the eighth-place team play the 24th-place team based on how the standings go. So it's very wide, but then the last 16 is still going to be the same. So if you make it to the last 16, you play a team home and away going forward. But I think with this, it's going up by over like a hundred additional games and it's player safety at that point too. Like they got worried about this whole thing with the super league, but the champions league isn't any better with how they're doing it. I mean, yes, it's great on, like I said, on a fan perspective to see all the games, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot on the players and and it, it kind of takes away a little bit about the essence of the Champions League. Like it basically is its own little super league with the way that they're saying how the first thirty six teams are gonna play against each other. So more to come there, but I, I when it comes back to the Super League, I think the punishment is bullshit for those that have already opted out or or, or what, what kind of punishment are you going to give them? You're going to slap them with a fine. You're going to say you, you have a ban with the transfer window. So I don't know what bullshit UEFA is going to come up with on that. Um, but yeah, there's still three teams in it technically right now. But um, basically, we, we talked about an hour for a Super League that ended up being <laughs> depleted. So, but, but as it relates though, to champions league, we have a couple games coming up uh, this week, actually. So when this comes out though, Real Madrid and Chelsea would have played and then PSG and Man City play on Wednesday. Uh, the, the talking point of this Real Madrid and, and Chelsea game is uh, Hazard is back. He's healthy. He's expected to play. Um, of course he hasn't played in so long. And I just worry that he's just going to, um, destroy us, and I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to fuck up the chemistry. So I, I'm not looking forward to that, um, but we'll see. Because um, I think this one, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're away. Yeah. Yeah, we're away for this one. So we'll definitely be able to set the tone there. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how, how these games Just shake up. Just give me a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. But just to quickly wrap up how things were in the Premier League, Tottenham played Southampton last Wednesday. Uh, they won two to one. Um, they got the penalty in the last uh, in the extra time. So Tony Cohen, your team, 
Got another three points for the win. Nice. Um, Arsenal, unfortunately, lost to Everton 1-0. Mm-hmm. It was a very bad uh, – they called it an own goal, but it the goal – I mean, it was terrible how he just let it just slip through his legs. And I think Arsenal got one goal called back for sure. Um VAR sucks. That's all yeah. I'm mm-hmm. I just find it very interesting because when this happened with Arsenal, this is when they pulled out. So they lose to Everton. And then you also have on that Saturday, Liverpool played Newcastle and they gave up. Really? That Newcastle game was crazy because Liverpool, Salah scored in like the third minute. And then what ended up happening is in the 93rd, I think it was uh, Elling, uh, what is it? Uh, Joe Ellington. He had scored VAR. He had scored in the 93rd. VAR took it back in the 94th. And then Willick scored in the 95th. So Liverpool with the tie definitely helps myself uh, and Frankie's team when it comes to uh, top four for Champions League. So very happy with that. But um, Frankie, what's going on with West Ham with the Chelsea game? I I definitely want to give you the, the floor first. Of, uh, of how you thought that game went. Well, uh, blah, 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 red card, blah, blah, blah. Push. I believe both of you, both of you have said uh, just on this podcast already about how VR fucking sucks. <laughs> and it took them like, what, almost five minutes to review uh, a, a penalty on a guy that was clearly following through, kicking the ball. And they ended up still going to the on-field ref who still looked at the same clip that they showed about fucking 20 times who still gave him a red card who, who still red carded I think it was Ryan was it Ryan Fredericks I, I forget who it was who on our team he red carded no who do you red card for for the West Ham oh it starts with a B his last name uh, I don't even remember who the fuck it, oh Balbuena yeah Balbuena uh, red carded Balbuena for clearing the ball at the end of the game to try to go score to tie the game. Go fuck yourself. That's the second red card this year that came on bullshit. This was more egregious, I think, than the fucking the Suchek red card that got called back. Like, this needs to get fucking wiped from the record. Balbuena, especially Balbuena, starts every game since everybody's hurt. Like, this is – that is utter bullshit. He was clearly kicking the ball. He didn't look at the guy. Like, he was kicking the ball. The guy stepped in front of his foot and got stepped on. And then you go later in the game, fucking Sufal cleared the ball and kicked the guy almost in his dick, which is way higher than your calf, and nothing. Didn't get a yellow card, didn't get nothing. It was the same exact scenario. He was just trying to clear the ball. It's bullshit. And... It's it's similar to baseball. Why do you have the fucking replay if you can't read the replay right? Or why do you have re- a VAR referee or an umpire that's off-site to watch stuff to just say, oh, by the way, you got to check it out because I don't fucking know. What the fuck's the point of you then? Just make the guy that's there go look at the fucking the video. Studs is tough. And, and I looked at the replay like a couple times too. It's tough because the player was not – because his back was also to the field. I understand completely where you're coming from, Frankie. It wasn't intentional by any means. But when it comes to anything studs and if it's higher than the ankle, that's where they're pretty consistent on carding people, whether it be a yellow or a red. But, so I, but Joe, I, can, I, I, can I ask a question? 
Yeah. What was Balbuena supposed to do? Fucking no, I agree. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I, do I agree some with fucking you. ninja shit and fucking like move to the side while he was in midair with nothing. There's nothing on the he could have done. Or, that was the only thing he could have or done. Or is he in supposed to? Or is he supposed to like stomp his foot down so he breaks his ankle and now he injures himself because this guy yeah. ran in front of him? This is the whole thing of even when it's not the same thing, but it's it's the same argument when you say with like because you could even talk about the the penalty kick that you probably were looking for also in the first half against us when it was also chest to the to the arm. So it, it, it's all the discretion of like how do you view the play? Like it, it's the thought process of okay, the studs. When you think about anything that they're that they're doing with uh, with the ball and with their feet their feet should be as close to the ground as possible. So in a ref's eyes, any time where you see a leg come up or studs visibly up, that's when you you put out and you you administer a yellow card or a red card. That's just how like the the nature of the game has been because the, they're playing with metal studs. You're not trying to like hurt the players that way. But I also understand the other side of it where he couldn't do anything else. Like that was his only soccer move he could have made. If if they gave him a yellow card, I would not like I wouldn't be mad because, yes, OK, player safety, like you shouldn't be kicking like you, you can't catch somebody with your studs. Obviously, on purpose, on purpose is a red card. But seeing that it's an accident, if you still want to say, hey, you got to be careful with the studs. That's a yellow. It should be yeah. a yellow card. There's I think what made it hard is that it was the back of his calf. I think that I think that's where it is on the play. I think if it was something where he was facing him, I think they would give more of a yellow. But, but because even that, it's it's bullshit because it's him cutting across, trying to get the ball away. Like clearly he's kicking the ball, and this guy's cutting across to try to block him from kicking from from clearing the ball. It's it's in the in the process of playing the game. It's not like he said, Oh, I'm going to fucking spike this dude. As soon as he cuts across me, or it's not even the the guy that got spiked. It's him saying, Oh, I don't want him to clear the ball. So I need to try and get in there and try to block this, block him from kicking it down the field. I, I think they're both equally at fault for that happening. And it should be a yellow card. At the very worst, it should be a yellow card on our player. Yeah, I I, I get that. I, I didn't think I, it I do needed get, to be a red. I do get the safety, like the safety issue, because it is it's metal spikes. It's like baseball. Like there's a reason why you got to be in the vicinity now, and you don't have to touch the bag or have to be on top of the bag. Like it's within a certain amount. Of, it's within discretion because you don't want guys to end up breaking their leg when somebody has a hard slide. Yeah. Or why guys get ejected for fucking sliding over the bag when the guy clearly, you're clearly overshooting the bag to try to hurt this guy. No, no, I, I'm with you on that. But I, I think what also hurt you with West Ham is that you see with not having the players in there. I think Noble started, though, if Noble, I'm not mistaken. Noble started and played pretty – like, the fact that it was only one nothing was pretty remarkable considering who who's out for us. Like, no Declan Rice, no Mikel Antonio. No Cresswell. Um, my boy Agbana being back, I'm very happy about that because he does look very good, and he did make quite a few really nice plays to prevent you guys from, from yep. running up the score. Um, but you could tell, like, Jared Bowen, I, I like Jared Bowen a lot, but Bowen doesn't have the explosivity that – He's better coming off the bench, honestly. He's a firecracker coming off the bench. 
Um, or if he's starting and it's Mikel Antonio where they're, they're worried about Antonio's explosiveness, Bowen could definitely finesse his way into a couple of goals when they're on the field at the same time. But either way, Bowen needs to either sub in for Antonio or be on the field with Antonio. I, I think Bowen loses a lot of his steam when Antonio's not on the field to at least draw a defender towards him. Yeah. He, Bowen reminds me a lot like an Andy Carroll where like he, you can put him on in the 70th minute as long as he's paired off with the right people and you can look for him to get you that equalizer or the go-ahead goal in a game. Yeah, I I very much like if Bowen and, and Ben Rama come in, which they usually do. Uh, uh, Moyes likes to bring in two guys at the same time, and it usually it feels like it's always – I mean, not now, but it feels like it's always Bowen and, and Ben Rama. And there's just a spark when those two guys come on because usually they're replacing like a Mark Noble. So immediately the speed is, is up to 10 when they come on. But yeah, I still think we played well considering like, but that that is fucking unbelievable. Like if that doesn't get taken away, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And, and on the Chelsea side, uh, Timo finally scored in over two months. So he should have scored a second one where he missed wide in the second half. Tammy Abraham came on and should have scored also. Um, they should have won that game like 4 nothing. Yeah, the, the, there was a lot of chances. I mean, Chilwell's cross to Timo was nice. Um, I, I was happy with, with the way that we had played. Um, yeah, we, we could have had more. Yo, we're just saving all our goals for tomorrow. That's I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But currently where, where the standings are um, – I think Four Leicester, baby. yeah, Leicester played today and they beat Crystal or Leicester played on Monday. They beat Crystal Palace. So Leicester's in third with 62 points. Chelsea's in fourth with 58. West Ham in fifth with 55. Liverpool with 54 and six. Uh, Tottenham has 53 and seventh and Everton has 52 um, in eighth place. So five more games left. It is going to be. Very competitive. We have we have Fulham this week. We have Man City and Leicester though in the final five, so that's not great. But I think Leicester were home, Man City were away. It's still going to be pain. Yeah, draws. We need need the Fulham win because we should have beaten Brighton, but we got the fucking tie with that. Um, If they don't beat Fulham, we're uh, we're going to Europa. Yeah, and we don't deserve to go to Champions. With Man City, I just hope for a tie. And I say that because they play Real midweek. But Man City is also going to have a Champions League game. So I'm not as as worried because of, like, the timing of it. Um, but, yeah, we're playing Leicester at home. And then we have ours. So our, our schedule is Fulham, Fulham home, Man City away, Arsenal home, Leicester home, um, and then Aston Villa away for the last game of the season. Yeah, you guys definitely have the tougher schedule because I think we have Burnley, Everton. Uh, Don't sleep on Everton, though. Everton's been no, I, I, but I think that's the one tough game we have. Uh, Brighton and West Brom and Southampton to end the season. So like, yeah, that's four, actually... that's four gimme games that we should have. But then again, I said that last week about fucking what's it called, and we ended up. Uh, what, did we lose or did we draw? Yeah. Well, we thought that with with uh, with Brighton and we tied them. So I think Brighton will come out aggressive. West Brom is basically out of it. So, I mean, because that's the thing, though. Brighton is trying to avoid relegation. 
Um, they're seven points clear, so they're probably going to want another win just to build that that buffer. Just to make sure, yeah. But, you, but that's the thing, though. I mean, we, we expected that we were going to get that against Brighton, and we got a tie. We thought we would have beat West Brom. We lost. So six points that we thought were in the bag, we only got one point out of it. So, And with Brighton, we've drawn with them the last two – or the last three times we've played them. So, like, they'll be tough. Uh, it's going to come down to the last game of the season, and I love it because all the games are being played at the same exact time. Yeah, so we'll all be screaming at our televisions. Or, you know, sleeping through the games. <laughs> it's 11 a.m., giving you the heads up now. Okay, I'll set an alarm. <laughs> oh, shit, it's 11. It's the day I'm uh, driving home on that Sunday. It's uh, that weekend uh, bachelor party. Oh, Yours? shit. It is. I'm home already. <laughs> I'll have Peacock on, so it's okay. I'll yeah. listen. <laughs> Somebody might no, have just, to. Yeah, just make Nikki drive. Just make Nikki. Well, you know, Nikki's going to drive. Yeah. Yeah. You just sit so, in the fucking passenger seat and watch it on your phone. I was going to say, somebody's going to have to hold because I think I'm driving for the, the one I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to have to. All right. You fucking shotgun. Guess what? You're holding this fucking. You're holding my phone. And you. Frank, do you care that much about soccer? No, but I need to know. I need to know because I need to rub it in people's faces on the other pod. Uh, that's funny. But that's everything with soccer, so I'll pass it back to you, Frankie. All right. So with that, we're going to go right into the one-minute drills that I'm pretty sure none of us actually have. Oh, no, you get, a couple of you guys have. Uh, I know I don't. So, uh, Voza, you want to go first? Yeah. Uh, mine's going to be quick. I just want to talk. Oh, real quick. Uh, it's time for the one-minute drills, Buzz Buzz. <laughs> Um, we so I want to talk about uh, UFC. Um, we had our fights in Jacksonville. Uh, first time fans were back in the stands, and it was fucking packed, and it was great. I did and, and nobody wore a mask. Like, nobody wore the entire mask. fucking place. It was I, – I did miss being able to hear the coaches telling the fighters, like, what to do. You can still hear it a little bit, but obviously with the crowd noise, it was much harder. Um, it was a fucking great card. Chris Weidman suffered a really bad um, ankle injury. I'm letting you know now, do not go look at it if you don't like the, like, Paul George type stuff, um, the Kevin Ware, like, any of those injuries the, out there. Don't go look at the Chris Weidman. The Anderson Silva against yeah. Chris Weidman when Anderson Silva broke his leg the same way. Yeah. Um, so that sucked because Chris Weidman's, like, a great fighter. Um, Usman uh, versus Masvidal was the champion. Oh, wait, uh, let me get Rose Namahunas fucking knocked the shit out of her opponent with a head kick. And fucking, uh, who was it? Joe Rogan went like nuts when he saw it. Um, so that was awesome. And then fucking Usman just destroyed Masvidal. Masvidal was taunting and doing his same bullshit. And Usman dropped him in the beginning of the second round and sent him to the fucking nighty night. Um, I don't want to see any more calls for that, for Masvidal to even be in the same ring as Usman. Like, get the fuck out of here. It'd be great if Khabib came back to fight Usman, but we know that ain't going to happen. Um, but it was an overall great card, and UFC is – it's not that it was back because it, it never left, but it was it's back in the States with fans. Um, it was a great card, though. I'll, I'll say that. That was a really good card. Awesome card. Well, what are we thinking of McGregor already trying to call out Usman, though? And Usman, and Usman clapping back, though. I, I, I liked McGregor what he was saying. McGregor was getting back. knocked out by Usman. McGregor needs to – 
worry about staying at 155 and fighting those dudes and, and seeing how he does against those dudes now that Khabib's gone because Usman will murder right. him. Well, he even said it. He was like, I, I finish people, you get finished. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I, and I like Connor a lot, and I think Connor's still a good Connor's fighter. Connor's one of my favorite fighters. and he's... He has a lot to give, but like he'll get murdered by Usman. Um, shout out to Dana White for being a piece of shit. Uh, I don't... Again, people say, oh, it's probably not him, but like the first thing Dana White tweeted after uh, Chris Weidman broke his leg, former UFC champion, former like huge name in the sport, like still still a big name. Like people know who Chris Weidman is, but like he, at one point he was the biggest name in the sport. Uh, Dana White's first tweet after he broke his leg was that uh, Uriah, Uriah Hall, that was the first ever victory with uh, no, strike, no strikes no thrown. Strikes. Which, like, that's not what you do to a former champion, like a former guy that made you a ton of money when, it, like, that was on the come up when UFC was becoming what it became. Like, that's one of your guys, and that's the first thing you tweet. You need to fucking apologize to Chris Weidman, and you need to fire whoever tweeted that if it wasn't your own dumb self. I will say, when I first saw it, I was like, what's all the commotion about of, like, with the kick? And then I saw that he had broken it, but I didn't I realize. I it. Don't that because I looked at it like I looked at it a few times. Like when you see on impact when the when the leg is coming back though, that's when it's at its worst. The best is he didn't even know until he put pressure. That's when it happened. It like and you could just see in his reaction. It wasn't until he put pressure on his back leg when it came back. The worst part of the video is Weidman, of course. Like of course I had him. Yeah, of course. And it it is fucked up because like that's Anderson Silva's career. Basically, that was the end of. Yeah, Anderson Silva's like reign as a guy was breaking his leg against Weidman, and, and how, how crazy is that? Like the irony of that. Yeah, that that the same type of injury happens to Weidman, and it was just as disgusting and just as terrible. Like, so shout out to him. Like, get well soon. Hopefully, we get to see you fight again. Um, Joe, do you want to go? Because I still don't have one, and Tony is. Doing homework, it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> I can go. Um, Going to talk about the Knicks. The Knicks, unfortunately, as we're recording tonight, they lost to the Suns, but I think it's still impressive to talk about everything that they've done. They won – before this, they had won nine in a row. Um, they won 12 uh, against the spread in the, la- in the last 12 games. Um, I think what's very interesting about this is now the talks of – of who is the New York team to watch out for. I mean, you have Brooklyn who had KD that is coming off the bench or he was, he had the option of coming off the bench or starting last game. But when you think about which is the New York team that is being talked about, it is the New York Knicks. And it's making a lot of people wonder, did KD and Kyrie choose the right New York team? And I love every fucking second of it. And I think what's going to be the talk of the town is what the Knicks are going to do in the playoffs and Brooklyn, not even able to bring home a title. So very happy with New York. Derrick Rose has been playing solid the last few games. Julius Randle's been a fucking monster, especially with the amount of minutes that him and Barrett are been are putting in. You would think that he'd be on a little bit of a decline. He's probably playing his bas- best, bas- best basketball in the last 10 to 12 games. So let's keep this going. Right now we're still in the – we're like fourth or fifth because it all depends with the Hawks right now. Honestly, with the Knicks, just stay above the sixth seed. Don't get into that 7-10 or the 8-9 playing game. 
let's just get above the sixth seed, have a solid series, maybe win a series, and this will be a very successful year, and we can probably bring in some more prospects for us to build out this roster. Let me just say about tonight, the Knicks, Knicks lost by eight, but, like, it was three with, like, 30 seconds left, and then it was all the fouling and all that nonsense. The Knicks were, like, up for most of this game, and they ended up losing, but this was with Julius Randle probably having his worst game of, like, the season, and the Knicks should have won tonight. The Knicks are a good team. Like, they have a great combo with Barrett, Randle, uh, Quickly's playing well. Reggie Bullock, too. Like Obi Toppin with Derrick Rose has maybe figured it out, figured something out. Um, so the Knicks are a good team. To, listen, I'm 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 sad they lost to the Suns tonight, but they won nine in a row. You're going to lose a game eventually, and lose to the Suns, are, though. Yeah, are like the top team, one of the top teams in the West, and the Knicks should have beat them with their best player playing probably one of his worst games in a while. Um, so I'm, I'm not discouraged by tonight and Brooklyn could go to the championship and lose and still nobody will give a shit about yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the, the players and we're all, we're doing this without Alec Burke still. So, I mean, we're still missing some guys who are going to be in the rotation, but I think Reggie Bullock was somebody where he's always been like a serviceable veteran, but he's definitely been an individual who's worked on his three point game. I mean, he dropped 17 points in this game. You even look at the stat line. You have RJ. For, RJ played forty-five minutes with seventeen points. Derek Rose is unstoppable right now. Thirty-three minutes and dropped twenty-two points. So, a lot, a lot of good things coming this way. We hopefully get a healthy Mitchell Robinson back, um, and you add Alec Burks in there. I think it's another. Two, you have a defensive juggernaut with Mitchell Robinson in the paint. You have Alec Burks coming off the bench, another offensive uh, individual. So, very po- positive things going into the last few, last 10, 12 games in the regular season. All right. Tony, do you want to go or you want me to go? Doesn't matter. All right. I'll go really quick. Um, so I was just looking at my phone, looking for something, and uh, I saw that Mike Trout is currently four for four in the Angels and Rangers game, uh, which puts him at... 433. Uh, he's hitting 433. His slash line's 433, 547, 833. Uh, he's got six home runs on the year. He's up to 14 RBI. Um, I'm pretty sure he leads the league in uh, – he leads the AL in batting average now up at 433 um, and slugging and uh, OPS and on-base percentage. So he's leading the league, and it's just unbelievable how – it seems like he gets better. He's the Jacob deGrom of every time you think, oh, this is the best year he's going to have, he just seems to have a better year. Um, And even at the beginning of the year, they were like, oh, yeah, my swing's not there yet. Well, his fucking swing's there now because it seems like he never gets out. Uh, If he's not hitting a home run, he's hitting to actually contribute to the team to score runs. It's just unbelievable how good Mike Trout is. And, like, I, there's no signs of him slowing down. He's just going to be great for another 10 years, another 15 years. It's, it's unbelievable. I love him. Tony, do you want to go? Yes. Um, so, for those of you that didn't see it, um, WWE released a bunch of players this past, like, week, two weeks ago. I don't even remember when it happened. Um, but Mickey James, who is – not in the Hall of Fame yet, but will be in the Hall of Fame, right, Frank? Just nod. 
think that's right. I don't know if she's in the She's not. She deserves to be, but like now, who knows? Yeah, now. So anyway, Mickey James is probably one of like the the better woman wrestlers of the past like 15 years or whatever the case may be. Um, She posted a picture to her Instagram or whatever of a black garbage bag, which was from WWE of all the shit that she basically left there when they let her go. So obviously it got a very poor reaction from all of the fans. Um, People just started, you know, going a little bit nuts on WWE, basically insulting the people that they've gotten rid of, which apparently this has been going on for a really long time. Uh, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, a bunch of other people basically apologized to her. They pretty much said that it's all this one guy, Mark Carano's fault. He was like the head of talent relations. They fired him. Um, And yeah, it's been a very big story for, very little reason. It is extremely disrespectful, but um, would they have preferred if it was just in a box? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it is kind of look shitty if you just get a giant black garbage bag just showing up at your door. But I don't necessarily like it's stupid. Like it's been going on literally for like twenty years. Um, every player, like every single person that got caught, basically was like, "Yeah, I got one of those last year. I got one of those year before." Um, so I don't really believe that. Like nobody in WWE knew that this guy was doing it. I think they just didn't give a fuck until someone posted it. So that's pretty much it. So that was the lovely little fiasco going on. So the the problem with it is you're set, you're not fucking clearing out somebody's locker at like McDonald's. Like these are people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you, you're giving them hundred thousand dollar contracts. You're a billion dollar corporation. Like you're you're not fucking and mcdonald's again is a billion dollar corporation but most of the time it's a franchise that's owned by one person like it's a standalone franchise or it's not mcdonald's themselves sending the shit out like you're not a minimum wage worker at at this place where they're sending your your bullshit that you weren't supposed to leave there to you to give it back to you this is somebody that's worked for the company before left came back and now got unceremoniously fired and that's the way you treat somebody that that was a big part of the company like she was one of the reasons that women wrestlers are like regarded the way they are she's one of the first like she's a pioneer in women's wrestling so to treat her like that is very bad visually but again like tony said it seems like this was just like par for the course which is bullshit because it I don't think they do that to fucking football players when football players get released. Like you should be treating it like the NFL or like baseball. They're not sending those dudes, their garbage bag full of their shit from their locker when they get released or when they get traded, like they're they're taking care of them. They're probably buying them fucking luggage and suitcases and shit and packing it in and sending it back to them or allowing them to go get it on a, when it's scheduled, let her put it in a garbage bag. Don't don't send her her shit in a garbage bag. It looks really bad, and it looks like exactly how I think a lot of people think that WWE treats the fucking treats the people that work there, or used to work there in this case. Yep. Hi. So that, that's the problem with it. Is it's not you're not getting fucking your shit sent home from like when you forget to cut your locker at the gym. Yeah, it, it's it's fucked up. But yeah, so that'll do it for one minute drills. But we do have a little bit more of show because it's time for the triumphant return of 
The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and we're going to even throw in a little pre-draft talk because most of The Wizard of Oz this week is going to be about draft stuff. Welcome to The Wizard of Oz Draft Special, everybody. Woo! <laughs> uh, good morning, evening, afternoon to all my fellow degenerates. I hope you did well during March Madness and the beginning of baseball season because baseball can be a bitch to bet on. So, um Hearts go out to all of you on that. Uh, let's talk a little NFL draft before we get into um, what the Wizard of Oz picks are going to be. Uh, I want to let everyone know everybody's going to give about three prop bets um, for the NFL draft. Um, but other than that, let's just talk about some NFL draft storylines that are coming out. Um, it's pretty easy to know that the number one pick and the number two pick for the Jets and the Jaguars will be Trevor Lawrence going number one and Zach Wilson going number two to the Jets. So if the draft. You, if you weren't sure that Trevor Lawrence is going one, just ask our dear, dear friend Martin to show you his stupid fucking hope shirt with Trevor Lawrence's face and Jaguar colors. Yep. Um, so the draft kind of starts at three this year, which where is where it gets a little interesting, which is where I want to start with everybody. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, like we talked about a few weeks ago, traded up to the number three spot with Miami. Um, and they came out and Kyle Shanahan said, Frankie, what do you say that they would have been comfortable at the 12 waiting for whichever quarterback got to them? Um, so they said that pretty much they were comfortable with any of the five quarterbacks, which is stupid. You don't trade up to number three unless you know exactly who you want, because you know which two quarterbacks are going to be gone for sure at the three spot. Um, yeah, you're, you're basically saying you're basically narrowing it down to the three people that it's going to be and to trade up to. If that's the case, trading up to three or trading up to five, like God forbid, if the first five picks are going to be quarterbacks, you right. can trade up to five and get whatever one and not right. have to worry about it. So clearly, if you're trading up to three and wasting all that draft capital, all the future draft capital, all that stuff, clearly you have your person in mind. Don't say you would have settled for anybody. Say we're trying to get the guy that we want. So it's going to be either Mac Jones from Alabama, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, or Justin Fields from Ohio State. Um, it, based on the odds right now, I think Mac Jones is the favorite at minus 175. I think it's crazy if they take Mac Jones. Um, Mac Jones is in Alabama's offense, who he's got Najee Harris as his running back. He had Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. He had all the weapons in the world. And yes, obviously, he still needs to make the throws, but Mac Jones was not considered even the best player on his own team. And it's a little weird to me that just Justin Fields has fallen this hard. It, Cause at, I would say at the beginning of the year, it was pretty, it was Trevor Lawrence, number one, and it was Justin Fields as a solid number two. And yeah. Yeah, I, Zach Wilson, I know was, the jets fell in love with him. So who knows? That's not an indictment on Justin Fields. It's an indictment on the jets. Um, so I don't know how that is. And you always have the, the, the darling of NFL draft um, season coming through. So that was Zach Wilson this year. But I just want to go around what everybody, who everybody thinks it's going to be or and slash who it should be. So, Frankie, I'm going to start with you. So I think it's going to be Mac Jones. All signs that pointed to Mac Jones basically since they've traded up. Uh, it's been, I think, without being 100% clear, I think it's been pretty clear that's their move. And I'm happy about it because uh, – Patriots might trade up and take Justin Fields instead. So, you know. We'll get, we'll get to the Patriots, Joe. We'll get there. 
Yeah, I also think it's going to be Mac Jones. Uh, as much as we're there's so much controversy, or not even controversy, but so much talk about the amount of options they have and who they're going to go, I, I think it'll be a pretty easy decision for them to, to go with Mac Jones at the third pick. Okay, Tony? It's no fun if we all say Mac Jones. So I'm just going to be the contrarian and not go with that. And I'm going to say it's going to be Trey Lance. So interestingly, if it is Trey Lance, that means they're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo because Trey Lance will not be ready this year. Yeah, and that's actually what I anticipate happening. I do not think they're going to move on from Jimmy G. I do not think they want to start a rookie right away. Um, so, yeah, Trey Lance. I, I think it should be Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields would be great in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah. I kind of agree with Tony. I, based on the fact that they haven't moved Jimmy G yet, I think it might be Trey Lance. Um, I think this goes into Frankie's team, the Pats, who are trying to get Jimmy G. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to, though. Uh, I really hope the Pats just don't get Justin Fields. Um, <laughs> five quarterbacks. It's... It's Jaguars, Jets, 49ers are taking three of them. Then you get to four with Atlanta. You don't really know if Atlanta – there's stories about either Atlanta going Kyle Pitts, but they could also go Trey Lance because Trey Lance could sit behind Matt Ryan, which I don't think would be the worst thing actually um, for the Falcons to do because Matt Ryan is getting up there in age and they should have an heir apparent. And I don't really think they need more offensive weapons because they have Julio and Calvin Ridley, but then again, Kyle Pitts is a fucking monster. Um Carolina traded for Sam Darnold, so I doubt they're going to draft a quarterback now uh, with the eight pick. They're probably going to fall back. Um, the Broncos, I don't know what they're going to do. They could be that team that takes Justin Fields, and I really hope they do because I cannot – I do not want to see the Patriots trade up and take a fucking quarterback because that is a nightmare for – whichever quarterback it is going to be, it's going to be great and not good. Um, Frank, so if you had your so – let's go, like, team by team. We obviously know what the Jets are going to do with Zach Wilson, and I'll talk about the 23rd pick after. But, Frank, who do you want the Patriots to target here? So uh, I think Justin Fields would be great, but I can't – the problem is is I don't know where they trade up to get him, and he definitely doesn't last to whatever we are, 14th or 15th. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could see is if – the Falcons don't go with Trey Lance or don't go with Pitts at four. If those two aren't there, that seems like the only two options that make sense for, for the Falcons. But do the Patriots want to pay that much to get up to four? That That's where I think the problem lies is are the Patriots gonna, willing to pay to get up to four or are the Falcons like content with moving back down to 15 if they're not taking – uh, Lancer Pitts. So that that's that. Because um, I can't see them I, I can't see them trading up to any of the other teams. It seems like all those teams kind of need something, unless maybe the Broncos move back. But I don't think the Broncos would move back. I think they would end up going with whatever quarterback is left. Because it seems like there might be four quarterbacks off the board within the first four picks. So the, the Broncos might be the guy for ju- the team for Justin Fields. Um if not, like at 15, I, I don't know. I got to see how – I really – off the top of my head, I don't recall um, who, like, our options would be. And, like, I, I don't 
you have to see what's going on with the draft before I can really at 15 make any choices. If it was later in the draft, I'd be able to start like, oh, well, we could trade back or, oh, well, we could go after this guy. But 15 is real weird because you don't know. You don't know where the quarterbacks went. You don't know who's still going to be there. You don't know if somebody else moves up. So 15 is a tough spot. So I, I really don't know if you guys have any ideas like. Feel free to fucking throw them out there, but I think right now the plan is trying to move up. So I'm, see how I'm, we can looking at, I'm looking at NBC uh, NFL um, Pro Football Talks uh, mm-hmm. draft, which came out like ten minutes ago. Um, right now they have the Patriots taking Devontae Smith at fifteen. I don't think he gets that far. I don't think Devontae Smith gets that far. But um, but all right. Uh, so I would me- love that. That would be fucking awesome. That I'll take that at fifteen if we're not going to move up for uh, Fields, but. I don't think he gets that far down. I don't either. Um, let me go Spoiler. to Tony since, <laughs> since the Cowboys are at 10. Um, uh, Jerry Jones came out and said he would love Kyle Pitts uh, on your team. Obviously, I don't think Kyle Pitts is getting to 10. So you would have to trade up probably to four because I think the Falcons will take him yeah. at the four. Um, so what do you, would you want the Cowboys to trade up to four to take him or do you want them to go defense? I don't want them to trade up. If Kyle Pitts were to miraculously fall to 10, which I do not foresee happening, because even if he gets past four, there's just too many other teams that I could see picking a tight end, especially there's a lot of teams there that have young quarterbacks. And if you could put a good tight end there, you're going to sure that side up. So no, I don't want them to trade up, especially because you're going to have certain there and you're going to have uh, what the hell's the other guy's name? Horn. Yeah. Jace Horn. Um, and they need one of them. We need, we need corners. I, I don't, I don't want another defensive lineman. I don't want a linebacker. I don't want any of that shit. We need guys that can cover deep, cover these guys, because it seems like the Cowboys' biggest problem every year is we just have corners getting burnt left and right. Okay. Um, Diego, let's get to the first. Let's get to the other New York team, the Giants. You guys are sitting at 11. Um, David Gettleman has never traded back in the first round. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, like, it's draft season. It's Monday. It's the week of the draft. So there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors this week um, of people trying to figure out what every other team is doing uh, about whether the Giants would trade back. Uh, what are you looking at, Joe? Would you want the Giants to trade back? Do you want the Giants? Do you have a particular guy in mind at 11? Do you want defense, offense? What are you looking at? I personally am looking at offense right now with, with where we're at, especially the way that this draft is and, and kind of like looking at it as a whole. I think when you when you kind of break it up at the, like the top 16 and the bottom 16, the top 16 is going to be very offensive heavy and the bottom 16 is probably going to be very defensive heavy. There's going to be a lot of edge rushers that are going to be taken off the board in the late first round. So with where we're at and kind of what we, we had the signing with Galladay. So I, I think having another wide receiver, because I don't know how Slayton's going to be. Shepard is, is I think, towards the end of his rookie contract too. So I, I wouldn't be... I mean, if Devontae Smith is there, I think that's a, a great option to have. But I think where they're probably leaning towards is, is probably a Waddle from Alabama. If they have him there at 11, I think that'd be good if you kind of complement it with the other receiving core we have and then with the healthy Saquon. Um, that's where I would think they're going to go, knowing the Giants are probably going to draft a QB at this rate then. <laughs> All right. Um, and then – so the Jets have two picks in the first round. The next one's at 23. Like Frank was saying, it's really hard to just predict who's going to get there because teams do stupid shit all the time in the draft. Um, 
I think the Jets are looking at defense with the 23rd pick. I know at first uh, people were going back and forth between maybe they take an Etienne or a Najee Harris. I don't think they're going to go running back in the tw- in the first round. I think they're going to wait to the second round or third round to grab a running back because they just signed um, Tevin Coleman. Um, they've got Lamaje P. Ryan, who they, who they like, but I think they'll add another guy into that running back core. So I think they're looking at defense um, because Robert Sala needs corners. They've got Bless Austin, um, who's – they've got decent corners, but nobody who's really excellent. So I think they're really looking if, if uh, Greg Newsom's there um, from Northwestern, if I think Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech is there. But, again, at 23, it's hard to say who's still going to be there. Um, I think if one of them isn't there, they're going to try and look for maybe a linebacker with uh, Jeremiah Wusu from Notre Dame. Maybe they'll grab an edge rusher, but the edge rushing is kind of rough, um, weak this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do. Um, do we want to talk about who this? Who let, let's let's give predictions who the uh, Packers are going to take, guys for for Steve quarterback um, quarterback. Oh wait, I don't. Oh um, yeah, yeah, quarterback maybe. Uh, Frankie, what do you think? They so, got to replace Aaron Rodgers, right? So, um, dear dear sweet Voza, Jordan Love, quarterback oh, of the future, right? Yeah, quarterback of the future. Um, just looking at it, uh, looking at one of the mock drafts, um, Caleb Farley, the cornerback, one of the cornerbacks you just mentioned, um, would probably be a nice fit. I I think they probably need another cornerback. Uh, but once again, it seems insane that they're not going to try to get a fucking wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers after how many years of not trying to get a wide receiver, uh, with that said, is Kadarius Tony going to fall? Is one of the guys we mentioned already going to fall? More. Are they going to Are they going to reach for somebody like uh, Rashad Bateman? Uh, who knows? Their excuse is going to be they took the best player they think on the board, and it's going to be like the twenty seventh best player, and Steven's going to have a fucking conniption. Um, so you know, we'll see what they do. Uh, I don't hate them taking a cornerback if they're not going to take a wide receiver, though. Yeah. And then for Martin, our boy Martin, obviously the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence. If they don't, oh, they don't, my think, God. I think Martin might come kill me. He that, might come kill me. The the Trevor Lawrence pick, like the, the envelope that says Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars is in fucking – in Roger Goodell's front pocket already. <laughs> like, it's in okay, his so, pocket. <laughs> so, it's – Trevor Lawrence is minus 10,000 to be the first – Oh, my Christ. God. Could you imagine putting 10 grand – or you, you're the guys who are putting 100 grand to win $1,000 and then he doesn't get paid <laughs> like, That's bad. I, there's nothing I love more than, like – the guys that do that to be pieces of shit to flash their money. Yeah. It, it makes me so happy when they fucking get shit on and lose like that. That said, there's no way he doesn't go number no one. Way. Unless, unless he gets like hit by a bus and breaks all his bones tomorrow, they still like even if it happens Wednesday, they still might draft him. <laughs> all right. So uh, with that, let's uh let's jump into the Wizard of Oz picks. Um so we'll do one by one. Um, this way, we're not all giving all three at once. So, Frank, give me your – give me not – go in the reverse order of which you're most com- uh, confident in. 
Okay, so I'm going to go with my fun one first then. Uh, the fun one I've got is I've got the first punter to go in the draft is going to go under the 184th and a half pick. So I like that one a lot. I think there's always like a weird punter that gets picked a little earlier than people expect. Uh, 184th ends up being like a – I think that's the end of the fifth round? Somewhere around Towards, there. towards the end of the fifth uh, round. But, yeah. So like, and there's always like a weird fourth round punter or a third round punter. Like there's always some random like holy shit. So I think that's a fun one. So anybody in the first 184 picks being a punter, I think that hits. All right, Joe. Um, the one that I have is apologies if Voza or Frankie you had this one too. I just couldn't remember. I have Jamar Chase over five and a half. Plus you have him over. So yeah. let's, let's talk about that. It's interesting because you're basically betting on whether or not the Bengals are taking him. Right? Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of what one of my other picks that I have going forward. So, so, Joe, I also have that. I had it at over six. So if it got past the – I think that's – who's that, the Dolphins now? It's Because I, I think that – yeah, the Dolphins. So, yeah, I've got it at, at six. So, like, if the Dolphins take him, then, then I what's it called? I wash, but – doesn't get past the Dolphins for sure. It's yeah, whether or not he gets past the Bengals. I, I did you mention? Might, I think he might even go past the Dolphins because I think the Dolphins. This is one that I have with you, Voza. Uh, yeah. So I'll hold off on that. I think the only way he gets past the Dolphins is if the other one we're about to talk about happens. All right, Tony. Um. All right. So I'm looking. Kyle Pitts will be over five and a half. So he's not getting picked in the top five pick. All right. So that's because you want him to go to the Cowboys. <laughs> no, he won't go. He won't end up a Cowboy either. I just think the Falcons are going to be the team that does something stupid and drafts like a quarterback or trades, um, trades so right. the Patriots right. get a quarterback. Yeah. So I think if that happens, I don't think the Bengals go for him, and then that leads the Dolphins or the Panthers. I think it's going to be Dolphins or Panthers at no, six um, or eight. Um, so Joe's betting on whether or not the Bengals take him, and yeah. Tony betting on whether or not the Falcons take uh, Kyle Pitts. Because Tony's right. If he gets past the Falcons, he's going six or so, he's going after six. Yep. All right. Um, for me, my one that I am the uh, least confident in is I will give Michael uh, Micah Parsons, linebacker. I have met over 13 and a half. It's at plus money at plus 113 when I locked it in. It's actually gone up to minus 165 now, which is good news for me because you can kind of tell with NFL draft new with NFL draft odds when that stuff goes up, it's usually because things are coming out and drafts are coming out like the mocks. It's the knowledge is becoming more clear. So Michael Parsons over 13 and a half. I'm actually worried that the Giants might take him because they want a linebacker. Um, but I'm really hoping they stick to offense because other, if not, I think the first 10 picks are all going to be offense. Um, besides the Cowboys, the Cowboys might be the only team to go defense in the top 10. And then, um, I think he might, he might drop up a little. The only thing I'm worried about is the team trading up with one of those 12 or 13 teams to go and pick him. So we'll see about that. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order now. Tony, give me your next pick. Fuck. (laughs) All right, Joe, give me I'm your name. Um, <laughs> I'll go. I have sure. the total over in defensive players selected in the first round, and I have it at over 13 and a half. So I was alluding to it before. I think 
the, the, I agree. The first 10 is going to be very offensive heavy, but there are a lot of teams and there's a lot of solid individuals at the linebacker, at the quarterback and edge rushers um, that are going to be picked in that like 16 to 32 range. Um, I think 13 and a half is a very good number to have it. I, I think he'll probably get to, I, I think when we look after what happens on the draft on Thursday, they'll probably, it'll probably be an even mix of like, it'll probably be 16, 16 offensive defensive or 17 offensive, 15 defensive players selected in the uh, first round. Yeah. Frankie. So my, my second one was that Jamar chase over six. So keep an eye on that. Tony, um, that one. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I don't know if I like that one. <laughs> I honestly was really thinking about doing the offensive one, and then Joe stole it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with no running backs taken in the first round because it said it a half, and I don't think Nigel Harris is gone. That's you're where going, you're going against my strongest one later, so that's fine. <laughs> go for it. Uh, my second one is uh, Frankie. I know you have this one. I guess it's your strongest one. Devonte Smith under eleven and a half. I got it at plus one hundred two. I think it's now it's still plus money right now. Um, basically, I'm betting on whether or not the Giants or the Eagles or the Dolphins grab him. There's just so many teams that need a wide receiver. Obviously, Jamar Chase is gonna is the top wide receiver. Kyle Pitts is being taken, and then it's between Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith. Um, I'm praying he doesn't get past the Giants because I think. Uh, Jamar Chase, if he goes to the Bengals, Miami's either going to grab either Waddle or Devontae Smith, and then I think the Giants take the other one. So um, I'm betting on whether or not the Giants actually stick to that and give Daniel Jones a weapon in a year that's very important for Daniel Jones because it's going to tell Giant fans, if Daniel Jones comes out and sucks, Giants are probably going to move on um, and probably try and draft a new quarterback. So with that, Frankie, I'll go back to you. Just go number one since I know that it seems that's your strongest pick. Yeah, so uh, so I have the Devonta Smith under uh, 11 and a half also. Uh, so I think just based on how teams draft and how I've seen – what I've seen in the mock drafts and what I've seen in like how, how experts and analysts have rated the two of them, for whatever reason – I think Devonta Smith might end up impacting Jamar Chase because I think Devonta Smith's going to end up going before Jamar Chase, which I don't know if I agree with it. I don't think I agree with it. Maybe it's because I'm not like I'm clearly not a fucking analytics expert, uh, but I think he's going to end up going. So I, I said it's going to be around six. I think the Bengals might hold off or the Bengals might, Get enticed to trade with the Pats. I still think the Falcons is our only bet to get up that high. Um, where and then I think the Dolphins would end up taking Smith over Chase. Which, again, I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll see. And again, like this is for fun. Like I'm trying to have fun with it too. Like I'm not trying to be like, well, this is gonna happen. Like I'm I'm trying to have fun with my picks too. So I think he's going under. And I also think regard Chase is more contingent on Smith because I still think Smith goes um, to somebody like the Giants. I, I think he gets in just under that wire regardless. But Chase is more contingent on Smith than Smith is on Chase. Right. Uh, Diego, what's your strongest pick? My strongest pick, and I always feel like I butcher his name, but I have 
uh, under five and a half for Panaya Sewell. Um, I think with it, it all comes down to Cincy at this point, granted, because they're the, the fifth pick. But I do feel that after the injury with Burrow, they need protection. They have the young wide receivers right now. I understand that it is a very strong offensive draft in the first 10 picks, but they need protection and they need to think long-term. Um, I know it can be enticing if, if Pitts goes to fifth, but I do think that they're, they're going to need to focus on the line and they can't stray away from that as much as there are other, because I think Jamar Chase is the other one that, that that's the hit or miss there. I think that there, there is a lot of, that there's a lot of uh, connections of why the Bengals can go chase as well, but they're going to have all these offensive threats that, or, and they don't really have that many offensive threats, but the young guys that they have, I think with Burrow, Higgins, uh, they got some good weapons. Out they, they got some, so, but I, the weapons don't work if the fucking quarterback is getting hurt or can't right. stay on the field or can't stay on his feet to make the plays. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my, my best and my worst, uh, or my best and my least favorite picks are kind of going against each other. So it's either going to go, it's either going to be a two and O or an O and two with those yeah, two. Picks. No, it, it is. It's either two and O or O and two. They're connected. Uh, Tony, um, I'm gonna. The odds kind of suck. If there's a way to just bet on Patrick Sertain ending up a Dallas Cowboy, I would just do that because I'm pretty confident in that. But he will also be the first cornerback off the board. Okay. Um, so my strongest pick. So I've already bet it twice because I found it at two different numbers. Najee Harris, I got it under 26 and a half for minus 120, and I got it under 29 and a half at minus 150. I think he's going to be a Steeler. I think the Steelers are going to take him. John, uh, they've got right now. Who's their fucking running back? Benny Snell Jr. Um, they need a running back. Najee Harris is the perfect fit for that system. Uh, he'll go great with Big Ben because um, Big Ben can't throw the ball like he did last mm-hmm. year, fifty times a game, and them expect to win. So I think they're going to try and get a power running back. Najee Harris under 26 and a half at minus 120 and under 29 and a half at minus 150. That is my best bet for the NFL draft this year. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to throw Spoiler, out? Spoil or watch NTN get drafted instead. I'm, <laughs> that would suck. Uh, uh, would suck for both Tony and me. Yeah, it would. So but based uh, on, I do like that. Based on the Falcons and the Bengals, if, if you could find it, because I, I didn't find it anywhere, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. If you could find the Patriots trading – up to under the the fifth and a half pick because it'll either be the Falcons or the Bengals. I, I think that's your move to see if the Patriots trade up. Um, I can't see the, the Dolphins working with them unless they're giving away a boatload because of division rival. Um, maybe the Lions, but that might be risking your boy not being there. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I think Patriots above five and a half if they trade up. If you can find – Frankie mentioned this off the air when we were talking. If you can find over four and a half quarterbacks being taken in the first round, I don't care what the odds are. Fucking put all your money on it. Like, if it's, like, minus 300, minus 400, it would have to be, like, a ridiculous – it would have to be minus – it should be minus 10,000. Five quarterbacks are going in the first round. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. All five of them might go in the top ten. So, I was going to say, if you can find it for top 10, you're probably you know, better off that way. If you can fucking find that somewhere, if you want, if you find out all five go in the top 10, put some money on it. Because 
they're going in some the the fifth quarterback will be traded into the top ten picks. The Broncos will trade back, or the fucking um, Carolina Panthers will trade back. All five will be going in the first ten picks. So if you can make a little money on that, go for it. Hell yeah! Um, with that, Frank, back to you. Yeah, that'll do it for this week. It's very nice to have the Wizard of Oz back, even if it's only just for this week because we have football to talk about this week. Um, this Friday, or one day this week, because I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to uh, actually do the editing on it, but we're going to record on Thursday, right? Everybody's good for it. Well, Joe, you might not be, but I Tony think everybody. Not. It's going to literally be the. It's going to be Tony to- squared. We Tony just go Tony, live. Tony and Tony, and potentially Frankie it'll be TT. Potentially <laughs> Frankie for a lot of it. Uh, hopefully, a lot of it. We're going to record during the first night of the draft, and we're going to see how that goes. Um, so hopefully that comes out. If that doesn't come out, that means one of the two Tonys fucked up and didn't get any audio, or both Tonys fucked up and didn't get any audio, because I'm not going to be there for most of it. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Obviously, we'll we'll touch on if Wizard of Oz stuff hit. We'll touch on We'll touch on it Monday also, just in case. But keep an eye out for that. And then, yeah, we'll see you next week. Um, Follow us, all that stuff. For 914 Sports, bye. Bye, boys. Later. Later.